All of the decisions surrounding the fifth-year options for the 2021st round have been made, and we're reflecting on them today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. That is a cat behind Kyle. I think his name is Bo there, uh, also one of the co-hosts on the podcast today. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single show, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Where do you see a cat right now? There's a cat on the chair behind you. Oh, you know what? What do you mean you, you don't see, see the cat? You see, you see a wider frame than than the production. Oh. Okay, so the people won't see this cat. <laughs> the people do not see a cat. No, oh, I'm looking this. around like, <laughs> where's the other cat that you saw in the background? Because no one's going to see the one that you're talking about on the chair. Oh. Well, everybody should know that there's a cat that is... Uh... That's actually my wife's cat, Mittens. Oh, it's Mittens, sorry. Just... That's Mittens, yep. Came in at the vet yesterday at a balmy 17.6 pounds. Well, I've I've known you since 2013, and I feel like we've been talking about Mitten's weight for about that long. So, you know, it's, how it's we a doing? lifelong struggle. <laughs> Born with some bad genes. Tremendous. <laughs> I brought up a cat for no reason, and now we're talking about its weight. Here we go. Talking about uh, its weight for the first two minutes of the show. But, Joe, happy um, – what is it? It's the, the first – uh, first hump day of May to you, oh, I guess. Is thank you. Yes. Go with a bit. I was thinking, like, can we do the Star Wars thing? But it's like May May the 4th be with you tomorrow. That's tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll do that tomorrow. Spoiler alert. Cinco de Mayo. When we do the, we do the NFC for team building uh, life cycles. Yeah. But now part of the team building strategy is fifth-year options for rookie contracts. And, of course, with the new collective bargaining agreement – uh, that was set in place. The fifth-year options are now fully guaranteed contracts, and they are effectively one-year fully guaranteed extensions that are tiered based on uh, a number of player accolades and playing time, and it leads to these strategic decisions that teams have to make in regards to whether or not to uh, exercise those options. And Joe, this was not a good showing for fifth-year option teams which is very interesting, which is why we have two our first two sessions today, or segments today, are dedicated to the declined options and what went wrong. And mm-hmm. then we'll acknowledge uh, those members of the class who have personal circumstances that led to them not having a decision made and also those who had their exercised option uh, greenlit and, and are pushing forward with that fully guaranteed fifth year of their rookie contract. I really like the timing of this conversation uh, because it comes right after the 2023 first round. And so everyone has this great promise for this first round pick that's going to come in and be a foundational piece of the roster. It's going to be a little and sobering here. It, it is. It really is sobering. And, and I think getting into the why is a great way for us to attack this conversation because why didn't well, what happened, right? All of these players, everybody had the warm fuzzies about after the 2020 draft and fast forward three seasons, and that's no longer the case. And so I think 
diving into some of those circumstances of why they quote unquote failed, or maybe why there's still a chance that, you know, look, they didn't get their fifth year option, but maybe there's an extension in line getting into those circumstances will give us the right perspective for the class of players that was just picked. So we're going to start with declined options and we're going to start at the top. Is that fair? Yeah, let's do it at the top. Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State Buckeyes, Washington Commanders, was a tier three fifth year option. So that was $17.45 million, which probably makes you wonder if the worst thing that happened to Chase Young's fifth year option outlook was making a Pro Bowl his first season and becoming instantaneously a tier three. So from a price point perspective, that's $4.2 million more than what the fifth-year option would have been if he did not make the Pro Bowl his first season. Yeah, it was a defensive rookie of the year, Pro Bowl or that first year, and then he didn't do anything for two seasons. I mean, uh, nine games in 2021, three last year, one and a half sacks over the last two seasons. There just hasn't been enough there to point to over the last two years to say, hey, we're going to commit that type of change to you. Um, and so I think the commanders made the decision they had to, but I think him as much as any of the players we're going to get into, I think has a chance to stick, right? To be healthy, showcase himself and, and re, you know, kind of change the conversation. But the last two years just were way too prohibitive to Washington for them to pick up that option. The peak was too, too far ago. There's too much that's happened since the high point and the inflection yeah. point. Like he may not have even qualified for the play time tier. Right. If not for that rookie season. Right. So that level of jump in the play, the, if he'd have been a basic at tier one, I mean, you're, you're talking over five five $5.3 million difference between what that fifth-year option would have looked like or not. Now, I don't know if he didn't have the year that he did his rookie year and he had his sophomore and junior seasons of being an NFL player were what they still were, they're probably not exercising the fifth-year option for $12 million either. Correct, yeah. So the, the talent's obviously there. You just got to put it all together. Uh, our next declined fifth-year option is linebacker nickel defender. Like, what are, we, what are we calling Isaiah Simmons these days from the Arizona Cardinals, the number eight uh, overall pick? Defensive back seven player for the Arizona Cardinals. And I think that's part of the problem and how we got here, right? Yeah. This team came in and played him in three different spots, it felt like, in three years. Mm-hmm. So lack of continuity and ability to develop as a player who was a defensive weapon at the college level and was moved around by Brent Venables and you were able to optimize him for his skill sets. But it didn't feel like the Cardinals had a plan to maximize him. And it felt like he took a step forward last year by being more of like a nickel space defender. But too little too late to justify a $12.7 million fifth-year option. You worry about this being Hassan Reddick 2.0 for Arizona, where they didn't find the right path for him, shows flashes towards the end of his run, and then goes somewhere else and becomes the player they drafted him to be. And so Simmons has had a nice little uptick, but I think as much as not necessarily solidifying a role, this is a regime change, right? You have a different GM and a different head coach in place here than the one that drafted him. And, and Monty Austin Ford seems very ready to reset a lot of this roster and, um, you know, Isaiah Simmons, certainly maybe that next in line. Yeah, he'll be a fascinating player. I, I think he's going to show a little bit more life this year, too. Um, of course, you, you feel like he found the position to play, and now you're going to change the, the coaching staff on him and the, the scheme on him. Uh, so yep. so you're, you're not feeling warm and fuzzy about that, but 
he always felt like a player who's going to need a little bit of time. Yeah. And heaven forbid you put him in a, a consistent situation two years consecutively, and, and that may not come until year five and year six of his pro career. But he's one I'm not quite giving up on yet. It's just you know, the, yeah. too too much from a regime change standpoint and team-building perspective to justify the fifth-year option. Well, maybe Jonathan Gannon can use him like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, how he used him in Philly, and, you know, everything can be on track. So, interested to see how this plays out. C.J. Henderson is our next decline fifth-year option. Number nine overall pick by yep. the Carolina Panthers, Jacksonville Jaguars, and was traded to the Carolina Panthers after, right. what, one season? Pretty quick. Yeah. So, I mean, you – you had a lot of thoughts on Henderson. He's he's playing. He's played in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about this decision for for the Panthers now. Well, I just don't think he's shown enough. And obviously, I mean, they wanted to move on from him quick in Jacksonville. They got a decent return, all things considered, for it's what like Carolina three, gave up. Dan Arnold and five. They sent a five two, I think. Some something they along those three lines. And a five or three um, and Dan Arnold. But he, I mean, he just there's issues with C.J. Henderson. He's allergic to tackling. I mean, that's always been the issue with him at Florida. Like, everyone loves the feet and the hips and the man coverage upside and how much of an impact that can make, but there's more to it than that. And there's limitations and there's liabilities when he's on the field. And so continuing with him, I, I think, make or not continue with him beyond this season makes a lot of sense for Carolina. Uh, Makai Becton, our next one with the New York Jets, took a major step forward his final year at Louisville kind of injected all of this enthusiasm and what he can become. It's been some durability stuff. It sounds like from a Jets perspective, there's been some conditions around con- or so, some concerns around conditioning and playing weight. And now we're flip-flopping him between left tackle and right tackle. And so just a, a general lack of continuity. And then you also tie in uh, not a regime change, but a scheme change from what you had to now Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator and bringing in Aaron Rodgers. And Becton didn't play with Rodgers and Packers, so you know that that doesn't help his his outlook for being a member of the Jets. I don't know if you saw Randall Cobb signing mm-hmm. uh, with the Jets this morning. So um, just a lack of consistency. And the tackle floor is one of the higher – fifth-year option price points here. I mean, the, the the baseline was 13 and a half. I mean, that that's significantly more than a lot of the other options that we have across other positions. Yeah, I think continuity is the word. I mean, this is going into his fourth season, and he's had three different offensive coordinators, right? I mean, he was drafted with Gase, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then two years with Hackett and Sala, and now it's going to be – well, not not Hackett and Sala. I, I, with Lafleur and Sala, now it's Hackett and Sala. So three different offensive coordinators that are represent very different styles of play, and a guy that came in a little raw, kind of a late bloomer at, at Louisville. So weight can, weight issues, you know, buy in issues. A lot of questions there with Mikai Becton. And, and look, what's interesting about his situation is they obviously didn't pick up the fifth year option, but. They're sort of counting on him, right? On right now, right. I mean, the Dwayne Brown, Max Mitchell coming off of an injury, and, and Mackay Becton. That's that's your situation to tackle. He's he's in line to start. They need him to. Uh, Joe, we we have Javon Kinlaw next, but before we get there, you gotten in any betting action over at FanDuel lately? 
And you got to check it out. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And there's no better place to be in on all the playoff action than over at America's number one sportsbook. And look, it's not just the NBA. The NHL playoffs are happening. you got the MLB season is in full swing. The uh, NFL future bets are available for you. So check it out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Lifelong uh, Florida Panthers fan, Kyle Krabs, checking in here since we're talking about other leagues. Up on nothing on the Leafs, Joe. Oh, I'll I'll root for that. I'll root for the Panthers. You just don't like Toronto because they almost stole the Bills. Of course, yeah. I'm always going to have a little bit of uh People don't forget, right? Yeah, I won't forget. I won't forget. All right, so Javon Kinlaw is our next declined option. Uh, he was a playing, uh, a basic, not even a playing time. And I think availability, you know, if continuity or consistency with Makai Becton was the word, uh, I think availability for Javon Kinlaw is the word that comes to mind here. He's missed a significant amount of playing time, has not qualified for even the playing time tier, which there's th- there's three separate pathways for you to get there, uh, including I think the floor is averaging or is having 50% of available snaps across your first three seasons is the easiest one to get. And we're not there. And as a result, Javon Kinlaw for $10.45 million, you just paid Javon Hargrave $20 million per season. Feels like they've got, went out and spent 2x what Kinlaw's fifth-year option would be to get the player that they wanted Kinlaw to be when they drafted him in the first place. Yeah, availability and impact, right? He hasn't been very good when he's been on the field either. So you, you got everything working against you if you're Javon Kinlaw. There were some reports out there when he was coming through about you know some some – long-term health concerns like what how long of a career he can have and I think those fears have been revealed very quickly here in San Francisco number 18 Austin Jackson Miami Dolphins look that's I I would say continuity is another issue with the Dolphins they've had four offensive line coaches in his first three seasons in the NFL that's tough Uh, you know it's gonna be really hard especially when you start at left tackle and I think his best stretch of play was probably his first six, eight games, his rookie season when he played. It was his best stretch of play as a pro. Uh, so he was a left tackle, and then he was over at right tackle. And then he was back at left guard. And now they're trying to put him back out to right tackle again. He missed almost all of this past year, except for a game and a half with uh, ankle injuries. So this past year was going to be like the big leap year or what they were banking on the big leap year. You have a one-and-a-half game sample size to work off of uh, and at $14 million for a playing time uh, qualifier, so he's a Tier 2 fifth-year option. You just can't justify for a player who has just not improved at all and you're now playing musical chairs with to find him a spot. Yeah, taking a raw player like Austin Jackson uh, at 18 and then, like you mentioned, the coaching staff changes uh, within his own position group, uh, playing multiple different spots. He hadn't been able to settle in and um, obviously – it looks like he's going to have a chance this year to maybe earn a earn a starting role, and if it all comes together, that'd be great, but certainly not enough to point to to pick up that option. Hey, by the way, another offensive line coach this year as well. So that's five in four years? <laughs> yeah. Man. And we talk – like you've heard it, it's, re, it's, it's generally understood that the most important 
position coach. Position, and no, coach is your O line coach, and Miami's got to get that. Got to get that figured out. Dolphins fans wonder why you you haven't had an offensive line for a decade. It's because you play musical chairs on your offensive line coach year over year over year over year over year. So, hopefully, Frank Smith, the OC, will will have a little stabilizing hand as that as well as a former offensive line coach. Next declined option is uh, Caleb on Chase on pass rusher, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Pick 20 in this draft class. This was a pretty ugly stretch, Joe, from 10 to 21. And then, you know, you, you acknowledge what happened to 22 with Justin Jefferson, and then you go to 24, and it continues to be ugly for fifth-year options. So just another player that and lack of development feels like it's the consistent theme with these guys as well. Chase on was always very promising, but kind of raw as a pass rusher. And we haven't seen him turn the corner and he's lost snaps to more refined pass rushers in Jacksonville. Three coaches in three years, right? For his, for his career in Jacksonville, yes. right? Peterson, yeah. Urban Meyer. And, and who was before Urban Meyer? Why can I not think of who this coach was? Was it gut? It wasn't Gus. Was it? <laughs> There's some mystery Jaguars coach that his, his name is escaping me. Uh, that was there before Urban Meyer. Come on. Who was Doug, this guy? Doug Marone. Doug Marone. What a forgettable human being. Yeah, there you go. So three coaches in three years. Well, don't forget Daryl Bevel too. Brother, it's the interim. Yeah, you, we. Jordan Palmer says it, man. Sometimes teams bust players more than players bust teams, and that's just not going to give you a chance when you have that much turnover. And you're kind of a guy that is you got to have a plan for, right? Chase on kind of a versatile player. You don't really love him as a true stand-up guy or, or a consistent hand in the dirt, but tapping into the versatility really matters. And and knowing what he is as a player is going to allow you to tap into the versatility. And he's had no time to really uh, have that consistency. And he's been, you know, other guys have outperformed him. Of course, Josh Allen, even Dwayne Smoot on that, on that edge rush situation. So uh, there's a number of factors here, but he just hasn't been effective. And uh, some of that's his fault. And some of that is just no continuity to lean into. Uh, Jalen Rager, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, was a basic, not even playing time. He was drafted by the Eagles, was traded for, I think it was like a conditional seven. So they were just happy to move on and, and go a different direction. Minnesota brings him in. Uh, that that basic tier was still almost $13 million. So the price point versus the production. And look, in Minnesota, you were the fourth option in the receiving game once Hawkinson showed up. Maybe the fifth if you include Dalvin Cook. Just not a big enough role. And I think his skill set was probably a little too narrow coming out of TCU to justify a bigger role. And therefore, without a bigger role, you can't justify the fifth-year option at that price point. Well, what was this, Howie Roseman's last mistake? He, he's went scorched earth ever Come since. On, man. The rest bit. of the league's getting real tired of all this praise for Howie Roseman. So. <laughs> Right, let's we can we can be reminded of something he did wrong, and that was draft Jalen Rager before Justin Jefferson. But I think Eagles fans will take everything that's come since then. Um, so he he just hasn't he just hasn't made any impact. It's it was an easy decision for them to not pick this up. I think the next next one was pretty easy of a decision too. Kenneth Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth Murray's a tier one, so he didn't qualify for playtime <laughs> tier. But it, it feels like kind of like Austin Jackson. Kenneth Murray feels like the same player he was coming out of Oklahoma. Kind of a narrow skill set. For three skillset. years in the pros, like you, you got to grow in a, and expand and refine your skills a little bit. Yeah. 
And you think athletically like that there's the ceiling for him to develop into because he's got size and athleticism, but just too limited of a player in terms of how that actually shows up on the field with any level of consistency. Yeah. I think this just the, the vision and the processing speed on the second level has not compounded to allow him to be a more dynamic and impactful player. Cesar Ruiz, uh, Cesar Ruiz gets the snake bite of being an interior offensive lineman that qualifies for a fifth year option because they put all the offensive linemen in the same bucket together for some mm-hmm. odd reason. Mm-hmm. Qualified for the playing time tier. Uh, look, you're already paying Andrews Pete. I don't blame you as a cash, a cap strap team to pay a, a sufficient guard. He's a sufficient player. Right. Right. But dude, he's getting all these offensive tackles blowing up this, this fifth year option rate. It's over $14 million fully guaranteed. I don't blame you one bit for turning it down. Yeah. I think Cesar Ruiz is a sufficient starting guard, but like you mentioned for a cash or cap strap team like new Orleans, they can't sit there and have a hard commit of what's the dollar amount for here. If they were to pick it up, uh, 14.175. They can't, they can't do that. They can't have that. They're already desperate to get out of the peak deal. Right. They can't do it. So circumstances here, although he's been a, I mean, over the last couple of years, he's been a, a reasonable starter. Uh, Jordan love gets a contract extension. So he technically doesn't have a fifth year option exercise, but got right. the one year contract extension to raise the floor on what he could get a little bit. So our next declined option is linebacker, Jordan Brooks. Uh, we have two linebackers in succession, actually Jordan Brooks and Patrick queen, uh, both playing time qualifiers. So they're $12.7 million. They both had their fifth year options declined. You a little bit more surprised with Brooks. I, I thought yes. he had a, yeah, I mean, the last couple of seasons, I feel like he's really kind of turned it on and felt like he was an important piece of that defense. But this is probably the most surprising decline. Maybe it's the dollars. I don't, I'm not sure, but I thought he's kind of developed fairly well. Yeah, they, they kind of had a vision for him, right? And, and that role was a little unique and they expected him to be good in coverage. And he was a slow starter, but as far as impact as a rookie, but certainly felt like he grew into his own and then the arrow was trending in the right direction. So maybe this is what you got the, you want to keep the rest of the nucleus in place with the team. Maybe the linebacker position is the one that you feel is most easily transitioned. They just brought Bobby Wagner back. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe there's a way that they can keep him, but with a lower cap hit next year, for that fifth year, right? Because he's an expiring is contract probably now. Probably not an unrealistic, right? I could see it. Like, do, do these these linebackers? They're very they they have edge guys that are boosting yeah. them in the same way. So he's he's the Caesar Ruiz of defense in this class. That's a good he, way to put it. He is more of a victim of a bunch of edge rushers, rush linebackers blowing this up. Where the top of the like four, fourth tier guys are twenty one million dollars. I don't think this is bad news for Jordan Brooks. I think this is horrible process by defining these buckets to put some of these edge rushers. That TJ Watt is impacting what Jordan right. Brooks's fifth year contract is. Nuts, right? Yeah. You mentioned Patrick Queen. I, I feel like Patrick Queen and the Ravens. Like he played really well this past season, but when they traded for and paid Roquan Smith, they probably had to ask themselves how much can we really have tied up in these off-ball linebackers, especially with being able to draft Trenton Simpson. There's probably a reset there, and I'm sure Patrick Queen's going to make a bunch of money if he has another good season. So then they – 
turned around and drafted Trenton Simpson in the third round and have somebody in the pipeline that you hope that you can develop and get comfortable playing stack off the linebacker. Great. Noah Benogany, cornerback, Miami Dolphins. Dolphins have three first-round picks, come away with two declined fifth-year options, Austin Jackson, Noah Benogany. Uh, he's played about 700 snaps in three seasons. He's at Auburn, was formerly a wide receiver, transitioned to corner, played two years there in a very man-heavy scheme, just kind of let his athleticism really take over. I think football instincts have not been a strength. But the Dolphins were down to playing like four corner. They had four healthy corners on the roster, and they're like you didn't know if Noah was going to dress on game day or not with four healthy corners on the roster. So instinctually, and now that they have brought in the scheme change and Vic Fangio's running this defense where these corners, it's a lot more quarters, playing from depth and zone. I just don't think the instincts or feel for the position is right. And obviously at $11.5 million for a fifth-year option for a player who's played 700 snaps in three seasons, you're never going to justify it. Yeah, this is an obvious one, right? Hasn't developed, hasn't found a role. Yeah, this this was the Xavier Howard hedge when Flores first got there because Howard was injured. They gave him the contract. He was injured in 2019, missed half the year, got in trouble with a domestic dispute that February. They signed Byron Jones, and then they drafted Noah. And Howard righted the ship. He's largely stayed healthy and been available since. And he he just got stagnant as a player and never got a chance to get the reps. One more. justify the pick, though. Clyde Edwards Hilaire last last one. Uh, lost his job to a seventh round pick in Isaiah Pacheco. It was always weird that he was RB one. He was a fun player at LSU, great teammate. You love the pass catching ability, but like small and slow is not really a good combination in the right. NFL, right? I mean, like on a good on a good day, runs a forty yard dash on a thirty eight yard field as a four five five, right? Like <laughs> that's on a good day. That's what he runs. It's right. Shout out Joe Burrow, right? Shout out Joe Burrow. That, that LSU offense. Made him a lot of money. Yep. And it, it says quite a bit that that, that basic fifth-year option was less than $5.5 million at the running back position and still got declined. He'll, he'll, he'll be somewhere it. else in 2024. And he'll sign for less than $5.5 million, I'm sure. Correct. But, yep, so. guarantee. I, I bet he signs a one-year $2 million deal somewhere. Something just like that. All right, well, there's some players, 12 players that were picked up and some uh, some guys that didn't have the option to be picked up. We're going to dig into that right after a quick break. Okay, Joe, so our exercised options, we had 12. Then we also had five players who were not in a position to have a fifth-year option exercise. Those were Jeff Okuda. Uh, Jeff Okuda was traded from the Lions to the Falcons a few weeks ago. And part of the terms of that deal was Detroit ate some of the money. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that nullified the fifth-year option. So there was no fifth-year option available there. Uh, Henry Ruggs, with the Raiders at 12, was released following his involvement in a fatal car accident in Las Vegas uh, ahead of the 2022 season. So that was about a year ago. Uh, Damon Arnett, currently a free agent. He was picked 19 over by the Raiders. That's right, yeah. As well. Uh, Isaiah Wilson with the Titans at 29. 
He lasted one season in Tennessee. It was a train wreck, was traded for a conditional seven to the Dolphins after his rookie season and did not show up to his physical. And then the last one was Jeff Gladney, who passed away as a result of a fatal car accident. It was also about a year ago, I believe, Yeah, which is crazy how fast time flies. But those five players with their own individual circumstances, of course, uh, bigger things that played in football Yeah, for all of them. We had 12 that were picked up. Uh, Joe Burrow with the Bengals, Andrew Thomas with the Giants, Tua Tagovailoa with the Dolphins, number six overall, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, Derek Brown with the Panthers, Jedrick Wills with the Browns. So in, in the top 10, you have one, two, three, four, five, six of them were picked up. Number 13, Tristan Wirfs with the Bucks. 15, Jerry Judy with the Broncos. 16, A.J. Terrell with the Falcons. 17, C.D. Lamb with the Cowboys. 22, Justin Jefferson, Vikings. I bet they had to real, really think about that one. And 25, Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers. So those are the 12 players that were picked Holy up, Kyle. Cow. Some of these are really obvious, right? Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson. Like, is there anything to talk about? Andrew Thomas. What what here stands out to you? Maybe that is a surprise to you that a team did pick up that fifth year option and, and, and committed to that hard cap figure uh, for that fifth year. Uh, Jed- Jedrick Wills is a little surprising. He's been okay. I think he hasn't been the player that we thought that he was going to be uh, when he came out of Alabama. He's really good right tackle. Got drafted by the Browns. They moved him to left tackle. Um. So 14.17 with all of the other big money contracts that the Browns have wrapped up. And they just re up Conklin and Batonio and Wyatt Teller. A little surprising. Pochick, too, they paid him. Yeah. So a little surprising that they would make that hard commit to 2024 for another offensive, another offensive lineman. I think that's probably the one that pops the most to me as a surprise. And he's been average, right? And so I, I get it. I think that one is it's he's been average on top of the abundance of quality starters that they have on market deals. I, I, I think that's a fair one to, to bring up. I mean, maybe he puts it all together this year. I mean, certainly a talented guy. Um, what about Jerry Judy with the Broncos, Kyle? It feels like for three years or two years, we've talked about Jerry Judy as a trade candidate and then he doesn't get traded. They pick up this fifth year option. Has that just been more about the fact that they have Cortland Sutton and they wound up paying Tim Patrick or like overrating KJ Hamler and his possibilities in this offense. I feel like Jerry Judy's like developed into a good player that the Broncos should want to keep and, and, and can continue incorporating him as a, an important part of their offense. But um, you know, it's, it's sometimes the, what teams actually do tells you a whole lot more than um, what, what we like, like to stir up sometimes in, in the, uh, the football community. Well, I think it doesn't hurt that the wide receiver market has exploded in the way that it has. And Judy is only a tier one option. He didn't, he didn't qualify even for tier two. So he's less than $13 million on mm-hmm. that fifth year option. That's less than 50% of top of market in today's NFL. Yep. And oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson's going to get a new deal here in the not too distant future. That's probably going to reset that even 35. More. It's going to be 35. And then you're going to have Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle up for contract extensions in the following year. Are you nervous about where this wide receiver market yes. is trending? Like it's at some point, it's just like, well, nobody's going to get paid. They're just going to keep drafting and resetting because you, I mean, that's so much money. So I think I'll be interested in how cyclical it becomes because I know we did this with. 
was it defensive tackles we did it with a couple weeks ago on the show? And it was like, okay, like here's a block of contracts that were signed in a 12-month window, and then the 36 months that came and went, mm. almost all the other contracts filled in the gap from the old top of market and the new top of market, and all those contracts came in between. So if Justin Jefferson gets 35, now you have 35, you have Tyreek Hill with 30, that's a $5 million gap for still top of market players for everyone to fall into. If Jamar Chase gets banged up and misses another month like he did last year again this year, are they going to give him 36? Will he accept 33? If J- if Jalen Waddle continues to be the second option, the 1B in the Dolphins passing offense and not getting 180 targets a year like Tyreek Hill, will he sign for 31? Or will he want 36 because it's yeah. top of market? Like it has to it has to fill in the blanks at some point. Maybe that's why you're seeing these tight ends, man. That Darren Waller is your highest paid tight end in the NFL, 17, 17. million average. He's the Steal 19th it. highest paid wide receiver in the league. Steal Kelsey it. at 14.2, he's like the 24th highest paid receiver in the league. Yeah. Kelsey. How about in the back 8, Ayuk is the only option wow. exercise. Wow. That speak we always talk about the back eight, right? Whenever we get yeah. into that bottom twenty-five percent of the round, things get a little strange. And uh Ayuk, even you know, there's some rumblings that they could trade him. Right. Um, maybe that stems from kind of what they're I mean, they got a lot paying Debo a lot and, and certainly McCaffrey now, but uh, looks Williams, like they're sticking around, yeah. Fred Warner. They just signed Kit, uh, Kittle Hargrave, Kittle. Armstead. Armstead. Bosa's going to yeah. get Bosa, Bosa. They get a lot of contracts to pay. So somebody's going to have to be on the block. And it, it might be Ayuk at the expense of, well, market for this guy's probably, what do you think, 25? Brandon? New deal, yeah. Ayuk's new contract is, he's going to get more than Christian Kirk. Think so? Yes, I do. The, the, the Christian Kirk deal didn't have that big of an influence um, on this year's group. He had a thousand yards last year. Crap. Um, Ayuk. Yeah, he's getting paid. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to push for twenty. He's going to be around twenty. I he's not going to get like. 20. He's not going to get the Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith, Schuster no. stuff. This, no, 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 he's, no, no, yeah, no, no different, no, no. different stratosphere. In a in a different offense, it, it, I think if you gave him more workload where he didn't scheme as many touches for Debo and you didn't have McCaffrey now in addition to what was already a strong running backfield and George Kittle. And I know Kittle Kittle's already lost some of the volume. But I think you could very easily extrapolate Ayuk into a different offense and feel like he's a 1,300-yard-a-season yeah. player. Yeah, and he's he's entering. This is his age This is his age 25 season. Yeah, he's going to get the bag. Yep. He's been really productive, too. And, and they haven't even had, like, consistency at quarterback, man. Yep. He's a good he's a really good player. So you can see especially a team that needs to kind of get some cheaper deals on the books. Um and I, I get it. Maybe that's still in play for San Francisco, but I, I understand picking it up. You don't want to you don't want to lose control over that player. Um there were one, two, three, four, five, six players who qualified for higher than the second of the four tiers. So we're Pro Bowl, at least one Pro Bowl. Joe Burrow. Chase Young, Justin Herbert, Tristan Wirfs, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson. 
Chase Young, the only one of those players not to have his fifth-year option exercised. I have two more. I have two more observations. Do you have anything you want to sneak in here? No, these are fun. I like these. Keep going. Uh, so we did the back eight, the back sixteen, the back half of the first round had three of sixteen. Hmm. C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, three wide receivers. The only ones to have their fifth year option exercise were wide receivers in the back half of the first round. Trade up, baby. <laughs> and I know Matt Miller made this observation. Uh, I know some other people made this observation. This was the COVID offseason. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't help but remember some of the narrative around that draft was when it came to draft time and the discussion was kind of, is all this pre-draft process stuff even useful? Is it helpful? Why do we waste our time with this stuff? The tape is the tape. You should be able to evaluate. Teams just evaluated players based off the tape and limited access and should have an opportunity to make good decisions and draft players. But how many guys got their fifth-year option picked up out of this group? Proof's in the pudding here, man. Twelve? Five, five less than the previous low for fifth-year options? Case in point, sir. Drop mm. the mic. Get us out of here. All right. We're done here. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Locked On NFL Scouting. It's your teams every day here on the Locked On Network. We hope you guys enjoyed this discussion of the 2020 class and the fifth-year options and how each of the players that did not have their option picked up got to this point as well as shouting out a couple of the standouts who did get their fifth-year option picked up. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Come back. See us again soon. Shout-out to the everydayers. Hope to talk to you all again tomorrow as we go through defining the NFC teams for what team-building life cycle they currently sit in. Hope to see you then. Peace.